Every year in the NFL, it's a new team. Yeah, it is. As far as goals go, we have one. Putting a ring on our finger. Welcome to the Buccaneers Observer Podcast. This is Ralph Phillips. I'm Molly Bay. Today is February 3rd, 2023. I say it like that because this is about our third attempt to try to do a podcast, but having a baby kind of makes it a little difficult. Makes it hard. We tried to do it yesterday with her in the carrier, and we'd start talking, and immediately... Immediately, she'd start crying. And crying so. Yeah, so... Life with a newborn. Got her down. She's sleeping. And uh, we're the depressed. The chloroform worked today. Oh, my goodness. We didn't do that. We're... <laughs> so, sad, sad times. Tom Brady has retired. Ralph. <laughs> really? <laughs> Tom. That's about how it's gone for us uh, <laughs> for the podcast. Tom Brady has retired again. Uh, this time, it seems like it's probably going to be the real deal. Uh, you know, he did it, I think, a year to the date that he did the last one. Really? Yeah. And now, I would prefer if he would have waited a little bit later. Not It would be worse for the team because, you know, then they uh, – have to kind of scramble with the offensive coordinator and all that good stuff. This is better for the team, but it's so close to the end of the season, like last year. I think that the way the season ended last year, you know, you're just kind of depressed and sad, and you're just finally you're like, ah, screw it. But then as the days go by, you realize, hey, I still want to play football. So you think he might change his mind? <laughs> uh, no, I don't. I mean, but you never know. I mean, he, yeah. he might pull a Brett Favre and retire five times and go to six different teams. We don't know. We don't know. But I think he's done. Um, I I kind of agree with that. But on the other hand, I think the uncertainty with the quarterback position makes it a little difficult uh, to get an offensive coordinator. If if your coordinator doesn't know who's who's going to be their quarterback. Right. You know, is it going to be Tom Brady or is it going to be Kyle Trask or somebody else that we get? So I think that makes it a little hard with recruiting for that position, not knowing. Now, the rebuttal to that is now that you know that you're not going to have Tom Brady, who are you really going to get? If you thought that there was a chance that you were going to get Tom Brady, that might make the job a little more appealing. Um but now that they know, who's going to take it? Yeah, I'm jumping a little bit ahead of ourselves here. I, I don't know who's going to want this job, to be honest with you. You know, just there's not a whole lot of appeal to it. I you know, I would imagine we're going to get somebody that's just trying to move up, you know, somebody like a Keaton McCardell, who is, you know, going from wide receivers coach to offense coordinator. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a good step up for him. I don't, I don't think we're going to get any lateral moves or ex-head coaches. I, who knows? Who knows? It just doesn't seem like this is a very appealing job right now. Um, yes. And we'll talk about that later in the podcast. I have all the people that we've interviewed, and it is kind of bottom of the barrel. Um, but with Tom Brady – his the cap situation, like we still have – we're $56 million over the cap for 2023 uh 35 of that is tom brady's because we voided uh year voided money last year and so 
it spread his cap hit until this year. If he is a post June 1st retirement, then we can spread that 35 million out between 2023 and 2024. So it would be, um, 11 million this year and then 24 million next year. So that will kind of help the 56 million over the cap we currently have. Um, but, you know, we're not quite done dealing with Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah, there was there was rumors that he might sign for a day, you know, after June so that we can do that. Uh, but then again, you know, he's going to probably sign for a day with the Patriots so he can actually officially retire with them. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, you know, that was the thing last year when he retired. It was like, was he going to retire a Patriot? Oh, yeah. And, uh, oh, we never got to that point. Right. It didn't appear that he was going to. Um, so, yeah, I think he probably will. Uh, I wonder if Gronk will, too, if they'll do it, do both of them. Probably, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I'm not really worried about the salary cap so much. You know, no, we, me neither. we got Greenberg. He's great mm-hmm. at it. and Every year, it's kind of this. I they think... don't normally like push the money out like they have, um, I think, Probably the next couple of years, we'll spend dealing with all the money that they've pushed out in this uh, Tom Brady era with the Buccaneers. And um, I I think that it's kind of a short-term thing. We'll probably get it resolved within the next couple of years. We don't keep carrying all that money forward because the the organization doesn't typically do that. And they don't like to do that. So. Yeah. And as much as people hate to say it, I think we're kind of in a rebuilding phase Mm -hmm. where... I don't think we're going to go out and get a bunch of free agents. I don't even think free agents will want to even come to the uh, Buccaneers. You yeah, know, we we're have, back to the basement, guys. Yes. It's. Yeah. You know, we'll probably stick with Trask or somebody we dragged. Who knows? Uh, you know, the Derek Cars, the. Mm-hmm. the we're, we're just not going to go for big names. You don't we, think so? No. No. Well, I have a list of potential quarterbacks and free agency that we could get. I'm not opposed to Kyle Trask. Like, I would kind of like to see what he has. But they haven't – we've got no taste of it in the last two – what's he been here, two years since he's been here? Um, I I like that he's been under Tom Brady for two years. But just the fact that we haven't seen anything from him is a little concerning to me. And I would almost rather go the free agency route and get somebody in free agency. (laughs) We'll have to wait and see. I don't know. You know, every time Trask has gotten snaps, it's always been, you know, second, third string guys. Uh, Yeah, like he's behind the second string offensive line and he doesn't look great. Um, so we'll see. I mean, I I thought when they drafted him, he was kind of the future for the organization, but I mean, he was drafted under Bruce Arians. Like, is he Bruce Arians guy? Mm. You know, and you know how the head coaches are. They always like their own guys, even if, you know, they're an acolyte of their predecessor. Hmm. So we'll see. I don't know. Um, Tabbles may draft somebody. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, the track record of quarterbacks behind Tom Brady isn't all that great either. You know, they had Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, Matt Castle, wasn't he? 
Probably. I mean, yeah. there's a long it, list. A long list of quarterbacks that have been behind Tom Brady and have gone other places and just haven't succeeded. Kind of like coaches that have yeah, mentored from, under mm-hmm. Belichick. You know, Belichick's coaching tree is not very, very big. They do well under him. They do well under but him. But not on their own. Yes. So, uh, you know, interesting stat that I saw with Tom Brady He's retiring, never having taken a snap when his team was mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. Every ten, every snap he's ever taken has been towards the Super Bowl. Maybe he That's didn't want to risk that next year with the Bucks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he already got like a losing record with us. Maybe he was like, I don't know about the next year. Well, you know, on to that with Brady. You know, he, he obviously didn't play that well this year. You know, I mean, he was he was. He wasn't horrible, but he wasn't Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. You know, our whole team took a step backwards. I mean, we've talked about that ad nauseum on this mm-hmm. podcast. But just talking about Brady specifically, you know, I think that the divorce and the off-field issues greatly, greatly affected his uh, performance. Well, there was an article written by the Tampa Bay Times where they interviewed Clyde Christensen. You know, mm-hmm. he, he was... Did he retire? He retired. Yeah, he retired. But in the article, it kind of implied that he wasn't retired as much as he was pushed out. Oh. Yeah. And anyhow, he was interviewed and he talked about Brady and he said that Brady was somewhat blindsided a few days in the training camp when he learned his wife, Giselle, had decided to end their marriage of more than 13 years. Now, I was under the impression that this had been going on during the off season. Yeah. But apparently... It happened right during training camp. Oh, so that might have been that 11 days he was gone. He was like, I can't. He might have been in bed and eating ice cream and watching rom-coms <laughs> for those 11 days. I don't know. <laughs> Going through a breakup, you yeah. know? Uh, it said, he said that Brady took off for personal reasons on his birthday. And then the next week. Bowles announced that Brady would be away from the club until sometime after the second preseason game. And then Christensen said to watch Tom have to leave training camp for 11 days to take care of some personal problems. It was heartbreaking stuff. A divorce, worrying about his kids, hard stuff. But then you're still expected to do your job when you get back. No one cares. And you've got a team. You have everyone to depend on you. The show goes on. And then it starts talking about how things got worse because of Ryan Jensen getting injured. Mm-hmm. Uh, and his 15-pound weight loss. Well, he said that. Mm-hmm. He was very gaunt. Yeah, he lost 15 pounds during wow. that period. And, I mean, he doesn't have fat on him. Like, no. That's 15 pounds of muscle. Yes. Yes. So, you know, it. it those things are hard. The Buccaneers went through some really tough stuff this year, personally. You know, you got Tom Brady with the divorce, the uh, FTX stuff that's going on. Then you had, uh, you know, Ryan Jensen, you had the injuries, Mm -hmm. but you had uh, Devin White's father being arrested and then Mm -hmm. dying in prison. Mm -hmm. You had Kate Otten's mom dying. Mm -hmm. Uh, You had, uh, gosh, there was was one more. I can't remember. Crap. Anyhow, uh, you know, those things affected. I mean, Devin White obviously was affected. You know, Mm -hmm. we, we pointed it out in the Atlanta game how he just, you know, it looked like he just was lost out there. Mm-hmm. And we saw this with Levante David back in 2020. 
you know, there was a four-game stretch where Devontae just looked like he had no interest in playing football. And, you know, I kept bringing it up. I was like, what is going on with Levante mm-hmm. David? I said, there, it, it seems to me like there's a personal issue, like something's mm-hmm. going wrong at home. And then we find out later at the end of the year that his father had died. Mm-hmm. I mean, these, these these are human beings. They get affected by this mm-hmm. stuff. You know? And his, his father was going through cancer mm-hmm. treatments. Um, uh, what was it, like liver cancer or something like yeah. that? And so it was, it was like a, I mean, it was a drawn out illness. Yes. Um, so. so so we had a lot of that with this team this year. And, you know, these guys are human. They, you know, they, mm-hmm. they try to, uh, you know, push through this stuff, but, you know, it's hard to push through, you know, grieving uh, mm-hmm. uh, the death of your mother and your father and, you know, divorce, your marriage, your marriage mm-hmm. and kids. I, you know, it's just. Those things, and obviously we saw the results of it. So mm-hmm. I think it had a huge, much, much larger impact than anybody likes to let on. How did they get their divorce finalized then? That quick? Like I that know. quick. I know. Something's weird. Something very, very strange. So uh, I also found out that Clyde Christensen was kind of a little disappointed starting the 2022 season. Uh, because the Bucks denied permission for him to talk to Miami Dolphins as their offensive coordinator. Oh, that stinks. Yeah. Well, I didn't want him to go. I wouldn't have wanted him to go. Well, right, but, but I still, get it. Yeah. You know, you're. That's it. You know, but, that would bring a little bit of resentment. Yeah, like you're forced to stay there. Yeah. But that was BA. I mean, B.A. was still head coach at that point, right? I guess. Probably. Yeah. I mean, if it was January 2022. Yeah. So. <clears throat> well, I hope there's no animus there, but I can see why he might hold a little bit of a grudge against the Bucks. Yes. So, interesting year. I think we're, <clears throat> we're gearing up for... Quite a few years of low expectations. Low expectations. <laughs> yeah, man, I, miss, I I do not miss those days. I know it's been so nice for the past few years to be. I mean, you remember, you know, it was one of the things that was so exciting about Tom Brady coming here is that all of a sudden we were going to be getting national attention. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of the, a lot of people forget. It's hard to it's hard to remember back mm-hmm. a, in a time where Tampa Bay Buccaneers was never ever talked about mm-hmm. ever. You know, I mean, people would. Talk about them when they were making picks, you know, mm-hmm. the talking heads would. But or other than that, like getting like free agents that we vastly overpaid for. <laughs> oh God, we would get screwed by them all. Yeah, they just come here for vacation. So, I think we're back to those days. Uh, we'll see. Ho- hopefully not. Hopefully not. Um. Yeah, I'm not optimistic. <laughs> No, me neither. I mean, the only the only good thing is that we got all these free we got our free agents to resign for like three years under Brady, yeah. and you know last year like Ryan Jensen, uh, Leonard Fournette, some other people we got them for longer. I think that we that we normally would have yeah. because Tom Brady was here and they were willing to sign those contracts. They're like Jensen, we've got for another two years. Lenny, we have for two years. So that's our saving grace is that these uh, good players 
we have under contract for a little bit of time. Some of them. Now, we got a lot of them that are. We got Levante David coming up. Mm-hmm. You know, he's going to be a free agent. Are we going to sign him? I don't know. I really don't. And I don't really trust Todd Bowles that he's got like the lo- like. I mean, Le- I mean, as Bucks fans, like we have loyalty oh, to yeah. Levante David because he's been here 10, 11 years at this point. He was our years. he was our best defensive player last year. It and, was incredible. Yeah, but you know, Todd Bowles does he have loyalty to to no. Levante as a player? No, probably not. Uh, the front office might have a little bit more. Um, well, but I don't know. You know, we've seen with the Glazers, you know, like with Derek Brooks. You yeah. Know, they just <laughs> flat out cut him. Yeah. It just shocked the whole fan base. You know, we let all of our guys go. John Lynch, Warren Sapp, Derek Brooks. It's everybody. We, do, we don't have, I don't know, this loyalty, I guess. Is yeah. What, you know. So, you know, Levante David is the real question mark. You know, all the fans, of course, are going to say, Hey, you know, we re signed Levante David, but who knows with this team? I know. You know, have we ever done that? Have we ever re signed a guy basically just because the fan base wants him? And, you know, I mean, Levante David is a great player and he played great for us last year. He's probably the most solid defensive player we had. And who knows? I know. Who knows? Uh, Bruce Arians, he's probably gone. I don't know if he's officially retired yet, but, you know, he let it be known that he wasn't happy. Like we said, he was not happy with uh, Bulls firing people. Oh, really? Yeah. And from the way he was talking, it sounded to me like he was, you know, he's done. So. Uh, That would not surprise me. I mean. (laughs) But, I mean, he only had it. He was only signed through this year. Anyhow, so. Okay. Right. Um, I don't know how much influence like he had in the front office. I don't know what you know. Yeah. He gets this like a new position created to keep him in the front office. What was he doing? And then there were rumors like when he was head coach that he wasn't really doing anything anyway. I don't know. I don't think that's true. But well, I think he does enough. You know, just his presence. And I wonder what that means for his relationship with Todd Bowles. Like, the value of having B.A. in the front office was so that he could still provide, like, some guidance and, um, you know, mentorship. And if Todd Bowles is just running the team and, he, you know, he's not using B.A. for that purpose... Like, what is the point of having B.A. there? Yeah, I think he's gone. I think I think B.A. is riding off into the sunset. Him and, him and Tom Brady can go play golf together. I know. Like, why wouldn't you go out on top? I don't know. Like, <laughs> I think the Peyton, way, Peyton Manning way is the way to do it. You know, win a Super Bowl and retire. Uh, Tom Brady should have done that. That's how they all want to do it. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, well, you know, I mean, the, the – 2021 season, dang close. You know, you, that comeback against the Rams and then to lose it on that last play was just heartbreaking. Did that break us as a team, you know? Yeah, might have. Don't know. Uh, the good thing about it is, is that the whole NFC South is a mess. <laughs> you know, 
the the quarterback situation is ridiculous in NFC South. Nobody's got a quarterback. You can say the the Saints are the closest with James Winston. You know, I mean, we don't know who our quarterback is. We've got one quarterback signed on the roster, and that's Kyle Trask. Uh, you know, the the Panthers, I don't, what are they going to do? Mm-hmm. The, the Falcons, what are they doing? Who knows? And every single one of those teams has coaching staff changes at major mm-hmm. positions. So Atlanta, they um, their defensive coordinator, Dean Pease, just retired. And so uh, they had to replace him. So they've hired Ryan Nielsen, who was with the Saints. And uh, he was assistant defensive coordinator, I think. Yeah. And um, so they've got that going on. And then uh, they've also hired... Jerry Gray as assistant head coach slash defensive coach. Uh, he was recently with Green Bay. He was their defensive passing game coordinator. <laughs> These positions are just <laughs> getting so stupid. <laughs> assistant head coach, passing game coordinator, running game coordinator. It's just, it's too much. Um, he's got history with Arthur Smith. So, there's that. Uh, and then in New Orleans, of course, Sean Payton was traded to Denver. He was not with the team, but now they have some additional draft capital from that trade. Yeah, they didn't so, get a whole lot for that, though. I think no. they got a one and a two and then traded a third or something. Yeah. So they got Denver's first round pick, um, which Denver acquired from San Francisco. So it's at number 30 overall yeah. in 2023. Not a big deal. What man. is that going to do for them? And then a 2024 second round pick in exchange for their third round pick. So they get an extra two. Now they won't have a three in 2024. They did not have a first round pick in 2023 previously because they had traded that to Philly last year. So, and then they fired their... Again, co-defensive coordinator. What is these? What <laughs> these stupid positions? Um, and he was also their secondary coach, Chris Richard. And um, so they are replacing their defensive coordinator. So Ryan Nielsen, who went to Atlanta, and this guy. Uh, so he left. He was co-defensive coordinator, and then the other co-defensive coordinator fired. Um, so they will have a new defensive coordinator this year. Of course, uh, under Dennis Allen, like he was defensive coordinator when Sean Payton was there, moved up, wasn't happy with his staff. And now they're doing a rehaul of their defense. So defensively, they're a mess. They don't have a quarterback. What's, what are they going to do? Who yeah. Knows? yeah, so as bad as we are, mm-hmm. the rest of the NFC South is just as bad. Right, right. Uh, Carolina just hired Frank Reich 
to um, as a head coach. And then he did just hire, and this was in the um, Detroit media. It had not hit the, the mainstream yet, but he hired Deuce Daly from the Lions staff. And uh, they have history together. Um, but Staley's mother lives in South Carolina and has some health issues. So she was com- or he was coming and probably to be closer to his mom. And um, he was, what was he at? Uh, he was running backs coach and assistant head coach for the Lions, and it could be a lateral move or he could be offensive coordinator in Carolina. They hadn't announced it yet uh, what his role was going to be. But he's coming to Carolina. So everyone's a mess. They're all kind of rebuilding. I would say we're probably the most stable of all the... That's sad. (laughs) I know, exactly. (laughs) I mean, not sad for us, but... Sad for the NFC South oh, yeah. to be that messed up. I know. And, like, you thought this year was bad. Well, yeah. Yeah. No. Well, the Rams ended up hiring uh, Jets offensive coordinator Mike LaFleur as their offensive coordinator, which, you know, he's one of the guys that I thought would be good for us. You know, after you asked me that question, I started thinking about who – I would like to see as offensive coordinator. You kind of blindsided me in the last episode. Um, but I was thinking Bill O'Brien, and then shortly thereafter, he was hired. He went back to – did he go to the Patriots? Is that where he went? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I was like, oh, Bill O'Brien would be great, and maybe make Tom Brady want to stay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, still haven't heard anything about the the ex-Cardinals head coach. Yeah, I guess he's still in the Philippines, licking his wounds, he's meditating. Never coming back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, he was great. I thought his offensive scheming was great. So we're not interviewing anyone near that caliber. I know, I know. So, do you want to go through the list of who we're interviewing? Sure. Who we've interviewed? Start. Okay. So, Kellen Moore, offensive coordinator for Dallas, who was fired. We. Um, interviewed him he went to the chargers right uh so that wasn't happening dan pitcher quarterback coach for the Bengals. we interviewed him and the ravens requested permission to interview him and then shortly thereafter he got a big fat extension from the Bengals. so he is not going anywhere they Jim, didn't want to lose him to Ravens, that's for sure. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Jim Bob Cooter. Jim who, Bob. I know. <laughs> I just love the name. I know. Um, and I expected him to be, like, old. He's not old. He's he's a whippersnapper. Um, but with that name, I was like. Who names their kids Jim Bob Cooter? I know. Maybe he took the name himself. I don't know. Anyway, uh, Jack, he's with Jacksonville now as a quarterback's coach. The Panthers also requested to interview him. So, Speaking of the Panthers, Matt Rule has fired an arbitration uh, suit against the Panthers. Mm-hmm. Apparently there's $5 million there that they're arguing about. Oh. Yeah. And they'll probably settle for two and a half, split the difference. Um. Keenan McCardell, 
with the Vikings. He's the Vikings wide receiver coach. We interviewed him. That's who you think, like, on that caliber. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. I mean, everyone that we're interviewing is pretty much on that level. Um, Clint Kubiak, who is currently with Denver as the passing game coordinator and the quarterbacks coach. We interviewed him. Ugh. <laughs> I can't. I I know the name. I don't remember who think, he is. Well, just from Denver's quarterback and passing game, I would say. Oh, uh, you know, yeah. that's true. That's true. Um, Shay Tierney, who is the Giants' quarterback coach, we've interviewed him. Which Daniel Jones is a free agent this year. Uh, yeah. So. We'll see. Uh, and then the the big name is Todd Munkin, who's currently offensive coordinator at the University of Georgia. Now, is it didn't the Ravens also request to interview him? They did. Well, are they yes. trying to, to to pilch all of our guys? Yes, I think so. It appears that us? way. But they're you know they're kind of in the same boat that we're in because Lamar Jackson's a free agent this year. Oh, that's right. Yeah, so there yeah. are questions about their quarterback position. Yeah, and everybody was talking about Lamar Jackson coming to the Buccaneers. I think last year that was a big thing mm-hmm. uh, before we knew Brady was going to unretire. And, you know, watching the, the Ravens game this year, I was really impressed with him. And I said, yes, I wouldn't mind getting him. But, you know, with the injury issue and then, you know, whether it's injury or him just not wanting to play with the team anymore and them going to the playoffs and him not playing – I'm I, I'm just not a big fan of that mess. Yeah, you know I I agree, and it's been a consistent thing yeah. with him. Yeah. And like through COVID, he had some kind of weird injury or illness. He had an illness. They weren't saying what it was. They said it was not COVID, mm-hmm. but he was out for like weeks with that. And it's like okay, like what is that? Yeah, I don't know. So there was that. Uh, he's had injury issues pretty consistently. So, and you know, uh, that's so common with these running quarterbacks. And that's why we're not really a big fan of them. Right. Um, I mean, you look at Hurts, you know, I mean, he was out, what, four weeks mm-hmm. at the end of the season? And you know, it's just, it's an issue with. The dynamic quarterbacks is they are going to miss games due to injuries. Yeah. Um, Pat Mahomes with his high ankle sprain, like he played through that, but not at a hundred percent. Yeah, you know? yeah. Well, he he's he's one of the rare ones that really hasn't had the injury bug hit him yet. He will. Oh yeah, it's I mean coming. it's coming. It's coming. Uh, speaking of Pat Mahomes, wait, we have one more uh, interview we conducted. Who was Ronald Curry? From the Saints, he's their passing game coordinator and quarterbacks coach. So he was the most recent interview that we had. The Saints? I know. I know. Yeah. Well, you had the co-defensive coordinator from the Saints go to the Atlanta, and it was kind of a lateral move for him. Hmm. So Interesting. Yeah, yeah, none of those guys are inspiring. I know. You know yeah. Todd Malkin is the closest, but like I said, man, he's not I, coming here. I, I I'm not a big fan of rehiring guys mm-hmm. you fired. You know, yeah, it's, it's just subconsciously, no matter how how they uh, they might want to achieve, but subconsciously in the back of their head, man, they're thinking, you know, this team screwed me over once. 
Mm-hmm. You know, so don't know. Just not a big fan of it. I, w- I would like, to, of all of them, he's the best so far. We'll see. He's not coming here. <laughs> you don't think so? No. I mean, if it's between the Bucks or the Ravens, like the Ravens is more, are more appealing because you have an established head coach who's been there for years with a long record of success yeah. in a division that's not particularly strong. I mean, you have the Bengals, but right. um, the Steelers and the Browns, and, you know, uh, the Ravens have made it to the playoffs consistently. Mm-hmm. You know, since John Harbaugh has been there, I just if you if you're going between the Bucks and the Ravens, you're picking the Ravens. Yes, and you also got to look. A lot of these guys are looking at Todd Bowles and going, you know, he's kind of on the hot seat. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you don't want to come in right. here and you know either one become a scapegoat or two uh, get fired with him and the rest of his staff next year. Right, like I mean, he's got another year, maybe. Yeah, but well, maybe know. two. Yeah, they might give him. Too. Yeah. yeah. But do you want to be looking for another job in two years right. when you've got a stable one here at Georgia? Right. That's why I say we're going to have more of a guys looking to move up mm-hmm. in the ranks. You know, it'd be mm-hmm. okay if they get fired in a year or two because then they got they got this on their resume. Mm-hmm. You know, so. I agree. Uh, D'Amico, uh, D'Amico Ryans is the uh, new head coach for the Texans. I find that interesting just in the fact that you know, he was the defensive coordinator for the 49ers for the past couple of years, but he doesn't have a lot of experience as far as coaching goes. Uh, you know, he's been a coach with the 49ers. I think he's been under Shanahan the whole time. I'm not sure, but he was a linebacker for the Texans for six years. Oh, wow. And, yeah, from 2006 to 2011, and then he went to Philadelphia. He was a linebacker with them up until 2015, took a year off, and then uh, started – as an assistant coach with the 49ers. And it's just been for the past two years that he's been the defensive coordinator. So it's a big step up, you know, to go from defensive coordinator to head coach. But it's kind of like with Miami, that guy, you know, it was like he just came out of nowhere. And, oh, yeah. You know, head coach. So. Did pretty well, too. I mean, and we were talking about him. funny as hell. <laughs> you know, we were talking about him early in the season. I'm like, yeah. We'll see how this goes. Good work, Garrier, but yeah, worked out pretty well for his first season. Yeah, all right, so. all right. Uh, did a little bit better than expectations, I mm-hmm. think. Uh, you know, I think if Tua would have stayed on the field, it might have been a little mm-hmm. bit better. But, mm-hmm. uh, anyhow, let's move on. You got all that covered. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about these championship games. <sighs> these were. Now, now, growing up, the Super Bowls always suck, or didn't always suck, but they were they were horrible. Championship games were usually where the action were at. Uh, it, it's kind of shifted, you know. Most Super Bowls in the past decade and a half have been really good. Uh, you haven't seen too many blowouts like you used to see. Uh, championship games has still been up there, though. These these champion games, championship games, were extremely difficult to watch. They were horrible, horrible. And going into it, I was really excited. You know, I wanted to see Philadelphia and the 49ers, and I wanted to see the Chiefs and the Bengals. I mean, they were just perfect matchups. They really were. Uh, The best teams in the league made it, and then they get in there, and it was mainly the officiating. It was just garbage. 
I mean, that 49ers game, I, I had a hard time watching it because it was just flags every play, it seemed like. And they, they all went against the 49ers, which, you know, when we played the 49ers, they didn't throw hardly any flags against 49ers, and those guys held and all that good stuff. I complained about it. But they were the better team. They would have beat it. They didn't have to hold us. They just did. And so, you know, I don't have a whole lot of sympathy for as far as the 49ers are concerned. But I thought it was just really crappy, crappy officiating. And it's it's been that way for a few years. It's just gotten so bad that, you know, games are being decided by the third team on the field. And it shouldn't be that way. The, the Bengals-Kansas City game, when it came down to that push out of bounds, you know, that was the deciding factor in that game. You know, at that point, it would have been a long field goal, 56, 57-yard field goal. Probably wouldn't have made it. Probably would have gone into overtime, blah, blah, blah. But the refs, because of that play, you know, allowed Kansas City to have a pretty much chip shot field goal. And the ref decided the game in that instance. In a 49ers game, it was just absolutely horrible. I saw so many missed calls and so many of the calls that they did call was just complete crap. The the right tackle for the Eagles, he false started like every single play. <laughs> yeah, because he was going up against Bosa. And he, you know, he he got an extra step on him the whole damn game. I mean, there was at least six times where he was, it was so obvious that he false started. And they didn't call, not once. The the fumble that Josh Johnson did, where he fumbled the snap, he was in shotgun, he fumbled the snap. On that play, both the left and right tackle false started. And I don't know if that affected the play or not in the sense that, you know, Johnson, it looked like he like looked over at the right tackle because it was a huge false start. I mean, it was it was blatantly obvious to mm-hmm. everybody, I thought. And I think he was expecting the whistle to be called. Mm-hmm. And it looked like the left tackle, you know, he kind of gave up on the play. And, you know, when the scrum was going on, everybody fighting for the ball, the left tackle's just kind of standing there. I, I think they were, they thought, you know, there should have been a whistle or there was a whistle or they were waiting for the whistle or whatever. But it was a blatant false start on both the tackles. And, you know, it didn't get called. And then there was the issue, and I haven't heard anybody talk about this, but, you know, Josh Johnson got pulled out of the game. Now, I didn't see it. It was a Dom Kong Sue tackled. Josh Johnson, and he went to the ground and hit his head on the ground. And I didn't see it. And nobody really made an issue about it during the game. And the next thing I know, Purdy was back in there. And I'm like, why is what happened to Josh Johnson? And you said, oh, he got taken out of the game. And I was like, well, what happened? Well, nobody knows. Shanahan doesn't even know. Mm-hmm. After the press conference, they were like, what happened with Josh Johnson? And he said, I don't know. He said he got pulled from the game. I don't know who pulled him, and I don't know who made the call to keep him out of the game. You know, so they ended up having to put Purdy back in, who couldn't throw, and it was they just gave up after that. They, they realized there was nothing they could do. They just ran the ball. Well, that was that 2-0 rule that got instituted. Yes. Yeah. Just based on the way that his head hit the mm-hmm. ground, you had somebody call it and say, oh, he's a risk for a concussion. Right. And he needs to come out. Right. So that just completely ruined the 49ers. There's nothing but, they can do. You know, I just find it weird that they don't what uh, I can understand them pulling him because of the way that it looked, but why didn't they evaluate him for the concussion and then 
you know, clear him if he was fine. I think because of what happened with Tua earlier in the season, Mm -hmm. they didn't do that. They're not doing that. They're just pulling him in an abundance of caution. But it totally screwed the 49ers. Yeah. And, you know, I said I talked about this at the beginning of the year. This was going to happen that we were going to have a quarterback pulled. And we had this is a the NFC championship game. We had a quarterback pulled. Nobody knew what was going on, you know. And they said that I heard that he was a little wobbly getting up, and uh, you know they took him to the tent, and you know he failed to concussion protocol or whatever. I don't, I don't know. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. That's the thing. It's not transparent. It's I don't like it. Mm-hmm. I do not like it now. Watching both of these games, I was like, what is going on with this ref? And usually during the playoffs, they let you play. Yeah. And it just didn't seem like they were doing that here. They were very in just just in every play, it seemed like. Or or they weren't in obvious situations. But, you know, when I saw the, the Kansas City the push out of bounds, immediately I was pissed because I just don't like that crap. You know, in the sense that it's, you know, the rule says forcibly hit the guy out of bounds. You got to forcibly hit the guy. He didn't forcibly hit the guy. If you look, uh, you know, he just barely touched him, barely touched him. He actually grabbed him by the arm, too. And it looked like he was trying to pull him, like he was trying to keep him from going down. But then uh, Mahomes lifted his arm up to get his arm off of him. And then it was obvious to everybody that Mahomes flopped. Yeah, that was Major League Soccer caliber. Exactly. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Which I'm going to talk about this. Back in the 90s, I had a huge argument about people were talking about why soccer just doesn't catch on in America. And I said, there's two reasons why soccer will never catch on in America. One is because of commercials. We love our commercials. And we used to, anyhow. I mean, Super Bowl commercials used to be the talk of the town. Everybody yeah. used to, they were funny and interesting and entertaining. But they're not funny anymore. They no. lecture, they're finger-wagging. All the time. Or, you know, they're, they're saving the world mm-hmm. with, you know, their... Coca-Cola. Their, yeah, Coca-Cola saving the world. And, you know, we... Americans, we just love our commercials. Uh, you know, we're a consumerist society, and, you know, we, we love our commercials. Soccer doesn't have commercials. Not like America's Day. You, know, every, you can't. They don't stop the clock. Right. It, go, it runs for the full hour. Right. Which I got a lot of heat for that, but it's just true. You know, we, we love our products. Mm-hmm. And commercials are entertaining, or they used to be. But the big thing that I said, the reason why uh, soccer would never catch on in America is because of all the flopping that soccer players do. You know, they, they fake injuries all the damn time you see it every game and it's a part of the game you know you act like you're hurt you know you fall down you grab your leg you roll on the ground and americans just don't like that mess you know we like to be strong and stoic and all that good stuff well apparently those days are gone you see on the football field all the damn time after every play it seems like you know guys are calling for penalties which i hate that and, you know, you see guys flopping all the time. You see it, you know, after the play, if there's a scrum or guys get up in each other's face and one guy barely touches another guy, he'll fall down with his hands in the air. Mm-hmm. And all this good stuff. Well, you saw it with the Mahomes play. 
I mean, he way over exaggerated. I mean, the guy did touch. Yeah, him. he had his arms like above yeah. his head, and he uh, fell you know. rolling on the ground and actually rolled into a coach who ended up slamming his face into a bench. His his flopping was actually more dangerous than the getting than the guy pushing because if you're gonna if you're gonna fall from a small push like that, you're not a very athletic person. Mm-hmm. You know, well, he is a tiny little guy, but he he doesn't yeah. fall that easy. But the guy barely, barely touched him. As a matter of fact, you know, he didn't extend his arm and push. Uh, you know, he hit him with his forearm. And the, the way I saw it was the guy was going full speed. Mahomes was going full speed. Mahomes stepped out of bounds. The guy didn't see him step out of bounds. You know, and it was just half his foot. But that doesn't excuse the guy. Uh, but Mahomes was right in front of him. And there was really nothing the guy could do. So he just kind of put his arm up, you know, and and like braced against Mahomes, but he did grab Mahomes by the arm and was trying to pull Mahomes Mahomes back so he didn't fall. But Mahomes Mahomes pushed his arm up to get to release from the guy's uh grabbing him by the arm and then that's when Mahomes did the flopping. But here's the thing. When what was the guy's Asahu or Wasu, whatever his name is, uh he could have when Mahomes fell, he could have fallen too and hit Mahomes. But he didn't. He avoided it, hitting Mahomes. And when he did it, he uh, overextended his leg. There's a, a screenshot. You could see his knee is really bowed. And he hurt himself trying to avoid hitting Mahomes. Mm-hmm. But he still got a penalty. And it, it cost the Bengals the game. I think that's crap. I hate it. Uh, you know, I just don't want to see it. I just don't want to see it. Especially for something that wasn't blatant and forcible. Mm-hmm. You know, which is what the rules say. Uh, I think it was just, you know, the, the referees being too overcautious or whatever. So anyhow, I'm watching these games and I'm seeing all this this crap officiating. You know, they had the whole repeating of the third down uh, with Kansas City. It was Kansas City, right? Uh, it might have, it might have been for I can't remember. But you know, they stopped them on third down, and then the refs come out and they made them replay third down because the refs screwed up. Mm-hmm. You know, and everybody's like, what's going on? Why are they replaying third down? You know, and you didn't really get an explanation. The booth kind of threw some stuff, but then afterwards they talked about it. But it was a, the refs screwed up, you know. And you're like, you know, this is this is just getting it's just ridiculous, you know, that the refs are affecting games so much. And it gives a perception to people that there's cheating involved. Like, are we throwing games? Are we making the game go one way or the other based on whatever? I mean, I mean, you've talked about it quite extensively, the betting. Yes. You know, do these refs have financial interest in the game? What, what do we have? I mean, they're not, they're not transparent with this at all. I mean, what safeguards do we have in place that these refs aren't doing this Mm -hmm. stuff? You know, I'm not, I'm not accusing them. Don't get me wrong. I think the referees have a very difficult job, and we just make it more difficult every year by stacking mm-hmm. on all these dumb rules. And especially stupid, like, initiatives with, oh, we want to take the game this way. Oh, we want to mm-hmm. get rid of taunting and celebration. Yeah, taunting. Because we don't want anyone's feelings hurt in a grown man sport. Right. Uh, you I mean, know, and so they emphasize all these dumb things that don't actually impact the game. Mm-hmm. But the penalties do. Yes, penalties do greatly. And, you know, you, how many times this year have we seen taunting, or in the past couple of years, where we've seen taunting where we don't know what's going on? We're like, 
you know, the, the ref is walking and the player's walking. All of a sudden, the ref throws a flag mm-hmm. and you're like, what happened there? Right. And it's like, okay, so we think maybe he said something. Maybe, but we but don't then know. What did he say? Like, we, can you repeat it, please? So yes. the rest of us can hear. Right. Like, how egregious does it have to be to get a flag? And then we've seen, you know, like we saw an instance where Devin White got a penalty. He didn't say anything. He stood up and looked at the guy on the ground, (laughs) and he got a penalty for it. But then we've had instances where, and I pointed it out in the All-22, you know, one of the players on the other team, I can't remember what team it was, I want to say it was the Saints, got up after catching a pass, threw the ball and hit Winfield with it, straddled him, said something to him, and then walked away, and he didn't get called. So, yeah. you know, it's these it's these subjective, non-transparent calls that are just make you go, what? You know, you can't, you can't have this. And we don't know what are the safety mechanisms in place to make sure that refs aren't throwing games or mm-hmm. aren't, you know, uh, making subjective calls that, you know, they don't understand, mm-hmm. you know, that, you know, one ref feels subjectively about a rule one way and another ref feels subjectively about a rule another way. So you're going to get totally different calls all the damn time. You can't have that. <clears throat> we got to, we got to chisel down the amount of calls that these refs have to make during the games. Mm-hmm. And it's just gotten ridiculous. I mean, the rule book is it's just way too thick now. You know, it's gone from, you know, 10 pages to 160 pages now or whatever. Uh, but it's, we got the officials re- deciding games more so than the play on the field, I feel. And it's, it's, it's just, it makes it hard to watch. Nobody wants to watch that. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that 49ers game was miserable to watch. It was just hard to get through. And I was so excited about that game. Uh, you know, and then for the coaches not to not even know why their quarterback is not, all of a sudden not in the game, he had no idea. He was like, I don't know. I don't know who called, who made the call, who mm-hmm. did nothing. You know, so they had to put Purdy back in there, and he couldn't throw the ball five yards. So then at that point, the Eagles know every single play is a run play. Right, not yeah. So hard they, to... they got 11 guys stacked in the box yeah. every, you know, so – uh, so anyhow, I'm I'm wondering about this. I'm like, why was the officiating so horrible, horrible? And then immediately after the uh, the uh, Chiefs game, immediately the NFL posted on Twitter that hey, for the first time in NFL history, we have two black quarterbacks in the Super Bowl. And I went, oh my god, the optics on that is atrocious. You know, here it is. You have two officials or two referees who just had horrible officiating games. Everybody's talking about the game is fixed mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And then you're, you know, you've got the, the NFL has been pushing the, the diversity and the, the Rooney rule. And we want more uh, black coaches. We want more black owners. We want more black quarterbacks in the Super Bowl. And then all of a sudden you get what you want. And it gives the appearance that you threw these games so that you could have two black quarterbacks in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that's what happened, right? But it does give that appearance, you know. And I, you know, I just put my hands in my head or my head in my hands, you know. I'm like, this is a very bad look, mm-hmm. you know. If you know, you're like, yes, what the NFL does want is two black quarterbacks in the Super Bowl. And they get that, and they got it through horribly officiated championship mm-hmm. games. Mm-hmm. 
Now, we know that the referees will throw calls for personal reasons. We saw it when, what was it, 2017, I think it was, 2018, they they instituted the uh, you can replay, instant replay for, uh, for God, what call was it? Was it pass interference? I think it was pass interference. That was like 18, 19. Yeah. And, and the head referee, I can't remember his name, was vehemently against that. And so they just totally screwed it over the whole season. Uh, Pat McAfee did a great series on it about how this was obviously they were, they felt personally slighted by it. They didn't want it. So they screwed these calls up all year long so that the, Um, the owners would say, yeah, we're not going to do that because it was a trial thing. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. I I've never seen that, but it does make sense. And they did, they got rid of it the next year. It was one year. Well, it was the saints that got hosed. In the playoffs, I think, yeah. by a pass interference non-call. Yeah. And so they instituted this rule, hey, you can um, you can challenge those penalties, whether a flag was called or the flag was not thrown. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can challenge it either way. Yes. And that is an oversight or um, a... Uh, um, remedy that coaches have never had before. I mean, there were no, there was never an instance where you could challenge a penalty, right? I mean, you could challenge like uh, the spot of the ball where they've spotted the ball. So that was like Mm -hmm. as much as it got where you could question a ref's judgment. But now you have a flag thrown or not thrown and you can challenge that. And I can imagine how much they hated that. Yes. And, you know, I, I think the NFL has done a great job with trying to get the instant replay stuff mixed into the game. I don't feel like it has hurt the game. I think it's actually helped the game because I really wa- I really enjoy watching instant replays. I don't think they do it enough. Mm-hmm. You know, I get so angry when we're watching the game. I will get so mad if when, oh, yeah, when they don't show a, a play from 50 different angles, but what they'll show is a coach standing on the t- sideline chewing bubble gum <laughs> with a close-up of his face or guys standing around in the huddle. Yeah. I'm like, why are we watching this crap? I want to mm-hmm. see the instant replay of the game, the play that just happened, mm-hmm. you know? I think they should show instant replay every game, every play yeah. from as many different angles as possible. That's one of the things I love about the All-22 is because you do get at least two more different angles of the play. And I'm telling you, I can't tell you how many times I've seen something and gone, well, this is obviously that. And then I watch it from another angle and I go, whoa, crap, that wasn't nowhere near what I thought it was. One of the best ones was, and, and I really need to to do a clip of this, but it was Levante David jumped up, and it looked like he batted the ball. This On the broadcast and on the sideline angle, he jumped up, and it looked like he hit the ball. And the ball actually started wobbling right after he jumped up, and it looked like his hand hit the ball. And I was like, oh, good play, Levante. But then you watch it from the end zone angle. He was three yards away from that ball, never came close to it. I was like, wow, that is awesome. It was an optical illusion. And so weird that the ball just started wobbling right when it got past. It was a very strange thing, but it was completely obvious that he did not touch that ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, get it from a bunch of different angles, you see all kinds of different stuff. And they have cameras everywhere. everywhere. They could do it. Yes. 
I mean, they should immediately, after every play, just show it from, you know, three, four, five different angles until the next play goes. Mm-hmm. But no, what do they do? They show the coach standing there with the, the play call sheet over his face. You know, <laughs> or the guys in the huddle zoomed yeah, in on their yeah, face. Right. You know, you're like, I don't want to see this. Mm-hmm. I don't care about this mess. So, anyhow, I'm not saying that the 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 game is rigged, and I'm not saying the referees threw it so that you know you could get black quarterbacks into the thing. But it's a bad look. It's mm-hmm. a bad look. Nobody wants to watch these games and watch the referees. You know, you just don't mm-hmm. want to do it. And the referees were just way too involved in both of these games. Way too involved. You know, they didn't make the calls they should have made, and they made bad calls on plays they shouldn't have. And this has been a theme through the whole season. Yes. I mean, we've been talking – I mean, Ralph's been talking about the refereeing for years. But I I feel like this was the first year where it really got national attention Mm -hmm. uh, because it has been so bad all season. And, and again, I don't want to – I'm not saying that the referees suck. You know, it's a hard job. I think the vast majority of the time they get things right. Matter of fact, a lot of times I'm really impressed by how good they are, you know, like spotting the ball and and Mm -hmm. seeing balls that are dropped and and catches that you're like, you know, in real time. I didn't see that. It's not until you watch it on replay. You're like, oh, yeah, that obviously hit the ground. The vast majority of the time they get the calls right, but they were asking them to do too much. Way too much, you know, and, you know, it's like I love the 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 way they're doing the holding calls now that, it, you know, they're they're not calling holding calls. It has to be very specific. You know, you've got to uh, it's blatant and obvious, mm-hmm. you know, and I love that, you know, but before the holding calls were just going crazy stupid. Yeah. With, you know, how often they were being thrown, because technically it's very difficult to distinguish what's a holding call or you know what's a what's a hold and what is you know a guy just controlling a block. You know, it's very hard to distinguish between the two, and I think they've done a great job with getting rid of uh, you know letting guys grab hold of players and control a block and not calling that hold. You know now you have to you have to impede their progress. You know and that's great. I love it. So. You know, I'm not. I'm not crapping on the refs here. I, th- I think their job has just gotten way too difficult. Yeah. You know. To, the, to me, it's the bureaucracy. Yes. Of the NFL. Yeah. You know, so I don't know what the answer is. I'd like to see more transparency in what they do to the refs and keep them from uh, throwing games. You know, what what mechanisms do we have in there to say that a ref doesn't have a a son or an uncle who is betting and he knows about it. So he's going to, you know, uh, make sure this team wins. You know, how, what do we have and, in place for that? I mean, the NFL is the only major sport that has never had a referee scandal. And that's just not, that's just not possible. Yeah. <laughs> like somehow they've man- managed it for the players and the coaches. I mean, we saw Calvin Ridley got suspended for the year for betting and it was like a thousand dollar bet, something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and didn't a, co- oh, um, Miles Austin, former tight end for the Dallas Cowboys, who I think was on the Vikings coaching mm-hmm. staff, yeah. he just got busted for betting. and Right, um, but they weren't betting on their teams. They were just Exactly. Betting. They were just betting in general. Yeah. So clearly the NFL has a mechanism for policing this yeah. practice. Why are they doing it for the referees? We don't know. Mm-hmm. And plus, 
you know, I think we should have to, you know, after every game, I think the refs should have to give a report on, you know, the calls they've made, why they made them, and and answer questions about calls that they didn't make. You know, I mean, if a coach or a player can point out penalties that happened that the refs didn't call, they should have to answer for that too. You know, so, you know, we need more transparency with the refs and we need to cut out all these rules. There's just way too many rules. Mm-hmm. We're expecting the referees to not only uh, you know, keep the integrity of the game and spot the ball correctly, keep the time clocks right, uh, the down and distance, but we also, they got to be nannies. You know, they got to break up fights. And, you know, they got to, you know, if guy says a bad word, you know, mm-hmm. if, it, if the uh, quarterback is hit, you know, in certain areas mm-hmm. or outside the pocket or inside the pocket or if they, you know, like uh, intentional grounding. I've been bitching about that for years. They, they do an absolutely horrible job with intentional grounding mm-hmm. calls. You know, they need to fix that. And, you know, we, we have way too many subjective calls. Mm-hmm. And they, they really need to start pairing it, but they're not going to. No. They're just going to layer more bureaucracy on top of all this crap. <laughs> well, the owners' meeting is like in March, right? Kind of around the combine. Yeah. So we'll see what they do. I think the officiating has to be on that agenda. They've got to do something because yeah. there's national attention on it. Yeah. Like everyone's talking about it. A lot of people it. think it's rigged. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and I understand. I could. I could. I had a guy present that to me over a decade ago. He's like, God, he was, you know, just bound and determined to convince me that the NFL was rigged. And it, his point was it was scripted, not scripted. just like rigged, yeah. but like there's a script and they're all playing by it. Yes. And, you know, when you see stuff like this, you have to go, maybe they're right. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when you can bring doubt into a hardcore fan like me, I can only imagine how most people feel. Mm-hmm. So it needs to be dealt with. They need to address it. But, all right. I had a few other things I wanted to get to, but we'll do that on the next podcast. we got to wrap this up. Anything else? No. I think all we're good. All right, guys. we got a, a long offseason coming up. There's going to be all kinds of news coming out with free agent signings and uh, coaches getting hired and fired. So uh, we'll have a lot of uh, offseason news to bring to you. We're going to try to get back on the schedule, you know, now that we got the baby out and in the world <laughs> <laughs> and we got moved in the new house, all that good stuff. So we got all our excuses out of the way. I'm sure we'll be able to find some more, but uh, we're going to, we're going to bring the news to you more often. Anyhow, that's going to wrap it up for us guys. Till next time. Go Bucks.